and welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, 30th of March. Uh, hi, Phil. How are we doing? Very good. Thank you very much, Andrew. And we've finally got some sunshine outside, which is nice. No, it's about to all change. I think you'll find it's going to be a pretty ghastly next couple of days. But then next week it should be a lot better, which is fine because I'll be down in Cornwall. Hurrah. A long Easter break. It's what we all need. This market is getting very, very tricky. Um, and the whole world is just getting very, very tricky. In fact, this has got nothing to do with tech and transitional energy particularly, but do you ever play, have you ever, do you remember the game Risk, Phil? Yes, I now, do. I mean, I used to love playing Risk. And if you think about the world at the moment as a Risk board, all right, you've got China and Russia have got that huge landmass. They've got that all captured. And they're basically, there's potentially the West, as we'll call it, is trying to defend on the western flank Ukraine. It's trying to defend on the eastern front Taiwan and potentially South Korea, because you could see if China's very clever, it lets the Russians attack Ukraine, it lets North Korea attack South Korea, and it attacks Taiwan. You know in the game of risk, you don't want to try and defend three attacks at the same time. And that's where the West's sort of heading at the moment, which really worries me. Oh my God, I know it's a bit of a thought for the day, Andrew. But uh, yeah, it has that uh, that potential, doesn't it? All listeners, get out your risk board and give it a go. You'll find it's very difficult to defend on three fronts. In risk, you want to just be playing on one front most of the time. Anyway, uh, let's move to tech and transitional energy. Where, well, actually, probably the the news that's just, of course, broken is the UK government have produced a new sort of transitional energy and your renewable energy carbon neutral report, a thousand pages long. It's a, a rehash basically of everything they've said before. It says basically absolutely nothing, um, but that's governments for you. They are a complete and utter waste of time. All they do is basically get themselves ready for the next election. They have no interest in how the country is run. They're not businesses, business people at all. It's just a complete nonsense. This is where the Western world has just got it so bloody wrong at the moment. Do you think I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, Phil? You're in a bad mood. Uh, I'll tell you what, I would uh, <laughs> I would advise you to look at AI for some uh, some answers to all this, Andrew, however. <laughs> well, chat GPT, what is the answer to all of this? I dread to think yeah. what it would tell us. <laughs> exactly. This is if you could. Um, I move on to some news. I the trouble is, going back to that report, on, I don't know if you yeah. saw it, it actually says yeah. the government wants to put 200 million into short term and long term energy storage through the UK Investment Bank. So I've had a couple of people ring up, sure, isn't this good news? Isn't this good news? I've gone, no, UK Investment Bank is absolutely useless. It, it doesn't do, you know, the sort of things that we'd want it to do. It will just put money into projects. Um, so it can get a nice sort of infrastructure return of 7%. Uh, they might as well just put it in the bloody bank. I mean, nowadays you can get 4% in the bank, can't you? I mean, the whole way we invest money nowadays is just so wrong. There's, there's, I don't know where this world is going. Oh, get me off it. Actually, I'll tell you what, let's talk about some good news on a company. Actually, something did make me smile this morning. Go on, come on. Can we talk about this one? I own, I've owned it, and I always wonder, why do I own this, but never sell it? And it's actually probably been one of my best performing stocks in my, my portfolio is SSE. Oh, OK, well, go on, Andrew. Did you not look at that this morning, Phil? No, because I was looking at other tech news. Andrew, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you out right at the beginning. Unbelievable. 
Something that um, we all need to go through. Come on. Uh, no, well, I'll tell you what, it did make me smile. And I'll, co I'll cover for you, all right? Thank um, you. He obviously is uh, um, in the FTSE 100. It's a very big company, actually, and it is obviously our largest renewable energy company. has huge wind farms and things like that. It has sold off all of its retail bits, so you cannot blame them when you get your electricity bill. Um, but their announcement this morning was that they are, at, it was an above expectations. We love that word, don't we? Um, it is updating its expectations for full year to adjusted earnings per share to more than 160p, whereas the forecast before was 150p. Um, and it's also said that it's uh, a dividend, which is a huge dividend payment. Uh, they intend to carry on for the long term, increasing it by 5% every year. This actually, in my view, is a stock that is just so ideally suited to every sort of pension fund or whatever, um, simply on the grounds that, yeah, you've got a, a really nice dividend yield. Um, I'm just quickly tell you what my screen, my screens are saying here, 5%, but growing by 5% every year. Um, the PE isn't cheap, but, you know, it's all renewable energy. It's all wind farms. It's, it's, it's just a great utility stock. So you just sort of sit on it and... It'll give you sort of a 5% yield, you know, 5% capital gain every year, year in, year out. That'll do me fine. What's to complain about that? And it's footsie. It's liquid. It's easy. It's, you know, oh, I love I love companies like that. Well, we just need more of them. 20 billion market cap uh, and up 3% today. Well done, yeah, well done you. Well, I've always said, actually, someone like Shell should just take it over. Um, or BP. I mean, it's the, if you wanted to ever turn yourself from being a carbon company into a renewable energy company, that is the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, there you go. That's that's the bit that did make me smile this morning. Well, <laughs> so what's nice been making you smile, Phil? Well, I'll tell you no, what, actually, no. What in tech and transitional energy has been making you smile? Just get that correct. Right. Okay. Well, look. I, this was food for thought because I've never seen this in my whole career. Um, and this was news that a thousand AI experts, researchers, investors, uh, Elon Musk, Amazon, DeepMind, Google, Meta, Microsoft have all called for a pause in developments of AI um, and a think about the capabilities and dangers of such systems. I've never, I have never seen that. So, uh, you know, a uh, evolving technology where this is being called for. That was very interesting. Uh, I, I did read it, and I must say, I read it, and I thought, you've got to be, got to be joking. How can you stop technology? No, 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 I know, I know. I I've never seen it because it, it, it's never happened. And how the hell do you do that? How do you stop people in laboratories developing things? I mean, did they say with social media, hang on a second, this could actually change the way we live and could have serious consequences for children and things like that. And so we better stop social media. No, it just came thundering down like a train and you can't stop technology. It's impossible. And AI in particular has now got a head of steam that uh, you've got to just run with it. And it's probably the people who are saying that should stop it are probably the people who are a bit behind the curve and aren't ready for it. Um, and they just want time to catch up. You, you can't stop it. And in general, look, in my own view, I think technology, every time you have a leap in technology, um, in general, things improve for everybody. Same way every time you have a, a, a leap down in your 
energy costs and your energy capability, the world basically improves for everybody. If you think about it, as we went from the, you know, the Iron Age to the, the sort of industrial age to the oil age, now we're going to transition energy age. Each time you do these major steps, the world becomes basically a better place. Uh, and I think that's, we, we're obviously got the transitional energy. Now the world will become better. Our energy costs are fundamentally, although it doesn't feel like it's short term, are fundamentally going down because the marginal cost of solar is, is zero. Uh, and I think with things like AI, robotics and all this sort of thing, you know, it's got to, first of all, it should reduce cost, um, but it should improve the quality of life in general. So um, don't stop it. Let it go. Yes, there'll be issues, um, but you have to let these issues iron themselves out. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I remember old enough to remember when, you know, silicon chips became a commercial prospect and, you know, were going to be more widely used. And the fear at the time of millions of job losses and, yeah, oh, my God, what it could all lead to. And yet, you know, what a change to quality of life has been bought by, by semiconductors. So I'm with you on this. And exactly, and how on earth can you stop it? Achieve. They'll be pushed to do that. But that was very that was very interesting news to see, my word. So yeah, so that, that didn't quite make me smile, Andrew, but certainly caught my eye. Well, all right, it's caught your eye. Come on, did anything make you smile? <laughs> no, <it's> not. <laughs> Company results, but nothing greatly entertaining. Hey, tell you what though, I've just seen out results from uh, BYD uh, in China's biggest EV manufacturer, and they're reporting. So I don't know if you big look at the news on China, but subsidies are being coming off on electric vehicles, but uh, BYD reporting um, record sales into the first quarter of this year. Um, also Geely reporting record sales for last year. Um, but uh, saying, I'm just looking at the car market as a whole, because this affects all sorts of things in the automotive market, um, you know, in terms of, of, of demand. So in 2022, there were 5.9 million um, new plug-in electric vehicles registered in China. BYD a 40% market share of those, and the whole car market last year was roughly uh, 79 million vehicles. Um, but you know, there's a lot of pressure on the auto markets. The first thing they have all the component shortages, which have been clearing through, but now you've got rising interest, you know, rising inflation, often more difficult for consumers to buy, and also higher interest rates because lots of cars are bought and financed. So some pressure on the, the market. But it was interesting to see how they were, you know, BYD have been accommodating that. And also we've seen a bit of a price battle breaking out in EVs as well. So uh, then we've got to, you know, this is something we, we've got to follow the dynamics of very closely because, as I say, you know, it impacts everything, mining, semiconductor tech, all sorts of tech involved in, in the auto industry. Yeah, look, I think there's there's a there's actually a huge change that we just haven't even started to see yet um, to come in the EV world, um, and that is at the moment you go and look at an EV and it's basically the same price as as a, a, an ICE car, um, and so you sort of think, well, what what's the point? The reality is, is the cost of building an EV is significantly less than that of a combustion engine car, uh, and in China actually now you can quite easily get hold of EVs for equivalent of about five thousand pounds only. And I think what we will see, but we're just not there yet, is a price war breakout. It could well be because the Chinese start somehow importing them into the West in a much more aggressive manner and selling them at you know prices significantly below the Western car manufacturers. And you know you may say, well, you know I want a Tesla for fifty thousand, but 
actually, if I can go and buy a BYD, which by the way stands for Build Your Dreams, if you don't know it, what a great name. Um, um, and you, you can go and buy a BYD for £5,000. Okay, maybe it's not quite as good, but with, you know, with an EV, the engine is, is sort of to a certain extent the same, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's over-exaggerating. But I think price is going to become a key part of it um, because that's the sort of world we live in at the moment. So I, that's my, I would be my next step in where EV, EVs go is I think you are going to see a huge price war and a lot of very cheap EVs built mainly from China flooding the market. And that could change the way we perceive EVs in general. And it's a big threat to Tesla, actually, although Tesla has clearly got itself into a, a major uh, sort of pole position in the West for EVs. But anyway, that's my view. Yeah, well, we'll keep our listeners informed of, of what goes on in that market. Um, and I remember, you know, I thought if you remember the, what was it in the 80s? But I remember, you know, Japan used to have pretty strict import controls on a lot of Western vehicles. So it favored Japanese car makers. It's just one of those markets where uh you know governments can get involved as well because there, there's uh you know there's so much in terms of gdp related to automotive yeah. so we'll watch that um so tech news andrew we've had a few few results coming out this week uh yeah we have keep going i'm sorry <laughs> i'm late i'm letting you, you letting you kick off as you know, I'm pretty busy running around doing a lot of things at the moment, and so I haven't necessarily got a list sitting in front of me, which I know you do. I just catch you out. Come on, kick off. <laughs> right, I thought I thought you'd run out on me there. Thank goodness you haven't, Andrew. Right, <laughs> so we had uh, we have four year results from a company called Big Technologies. Uh, the ticker is BIGB, 700 million market cap. Uh, this company has uh, 67 million in cash. We'll just point that out. Big Technologies. Um, this is this is tracking tech. Um, so, and originally Sarah Murray, who founded the company in 2005, wanted to create a GPS device small enough for a child to carry, you know, presumably to track a child's whereabouts. But anyway, so Sarah Murray, she's developed this business, um, and it is it is person tracking technology, and of course, you know, one of the bigger users of of that sort of tech is for monitoring um criminals uh and you know used by departments of corrections and so they uh kind of reported double digit organic revenue uh, for the full year of 33 percent to 50 million pounds uh strong second half and said that it reflected contributions of new customer wins including a significant national monitoring contract in new zealand that is fully operational so um, also revenue growth from asia pacific uh, and uh, the Americas, which grew by 60% and 11% respectfully. So this company is undergoing strong growth. But what is particularly interesting is the margins in the business. Uh, gross margins in, uh, just went up from 71% to 72.5%. Uh, but an operating profit under 20.6 million on turnover of 50.2 million and generated cash from operations of 25.7 million pounds. So a strongly performing high margin business. Um, however, I'm sorry, however, this is reflected a bit in the price. Uh, so it's trading on a 11 times EV revenue, an EV EBIT of 29 times. Uh, mm. Nonetheless, uh, looks uh, a very high quality growth business. 
Now, I, I remember when it floated, it floated in the middle of obviously the pandemic when when valuations were, should we say, a little bit crazy. I think it was like, was it about three pounds it floated at? And then it shot off to a big premium on day one, or maybe it was floated even less than that. And I know it went, it peaked at about 360, I think. But I remember a fund manager saying, it was, is it Sarah or Sarah Murray? I never know quite which Yeah, Sarah, I think it is. Sarah Murray. She still owns 25% of the company, I think. But I remember a fund manager saying it was the most impressive CEO he had ever met in his life. And he was piling in. He still, he still does own a percentage of the company. I'm not sure if he's kept all of the stock that he took at the ipo um obviously then you know the pandemic finished all these tech stocks and tech stocks came off so it came off quite sharply in fact it fell down below 200 bit almost a half actually uh, but since then it is slowly clawing its way back up and uh, you know if she is that impressive she probably still is that impressive even though it's two years later so um obviously one i think as you say it's highly rated but probably a pretty damaged in company yeah yeah and there's also the you know there's a I hate to say it, there's a structural growth driver, isn't there, to it? Like, you know, with growing crime, uh, prison populations growing and very expensive to maintain, and this is one way of uh, of managing offenders. So, yeah, so there we go. So the um, so a couple more interesting ones I, I spotted was SoftCap, which is uh, SCT, 2.4 billion market cap. Um, and this is, uh, SoftCap is all about IT solutions and supports IT services. So uh, primarily cloud services and cyber, and they've got solutions in terms of virtual desktops, apps, supply chain operations, software licensing, secure IT asset management, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff that businesses need in terms of IT. Um, and you, as we know, during the pandemic, the sector experienced a lot of strong demand particularly for stuff like for working from home and computer hardware um, and softcat had their interims to january end and their revenue was down by 11 percent from 577.8 million to 512.4 um but most of that was from um they had a big hardware one-off hardware contract in the prior period but what they said was that their software and services income in, 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 uh, rose by 24.5% and services 31.5%. So which offset that decline um, in hardware. And also notably, even though it lost that, you know, that, that hardware contract was a one-off comparable, the operating profit just slipped from 64.1 million to 63.1 million. So I thought that was Pretty interesting, and they, you know, and they they increased their dividend by 9.6% to 8p. Um, so while there's lots to do, markets uncertain. Da 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 da. da uh, board now expects that the outset of the full year will be slightly ahead of previous estimates. So, given that everything came off a pretty strong comparable period, that to me looked pretty good, all things considered. That's all right. Yeah. Now we uh, we had three of our corporates have uh, put out news this week. I wonder if you can get all three. Oh, Andrew! <laughs> I love doing this. Thank you for that. Pressure Technologies. Yep. There's one. Well done. Uh, Infinity Energy Systems. Yep. 
Actually, in fairness, you don't research the third, but we do talk about it on here occasionally. It's Acris had uh, results today. Yes, and I did read those this morning. Thank you, Andrew. And their profits were up very nicely. So, well, should we make, well, so I'll make, I'll do it, I'll cover them all for you. But in Vinity, obviously, they announced a Hungarian order for 1.5 megawatts um, at the start of the week. Uh, they obviously have got a distribution partner out there who has promised to sell lots and lots and lots of these uh, batteries. Um, I think we're we're the, the news flow coming out of this company is just going to get better and better. Hopefully, pressure technologies. Obviously, unfortunately, we know they're going to be suspended at the end of this month because they haven't got their accounts out quite yet. It's not a problem. The good news was they had a record order, uh, basically for their uh, one of their uh, divisions, which is in their um, PMC division. Uh, which I mean, the business, although it's, it's really sad they can't get the accounts out, the business is really going well at the moment. Um, so, and I think the market's taking it in its stride, luckily. Um, and then Aquis had some very good figures this morning. Didn't they? I, mean, I don't know if you actually looked at them, but I mean, they were very good yeah, figures. Yeah. Everything is growing beautifully, in truth. Um, yeah. Revenue up 24%, uh, profit pool tax up 27%, underlying profit up 41%. Um, obviously, a lot of people forget that, you know, Aquis is more than just the Aquis Stock Exchange. In fact, it's a lot more than that. Um, it, it's a whole sort of, um, pan-European trading platform. Um, the stock exchange perhaps is the sentiment side of it all. And, and uh, But, you know, they are doing things that this country needs, is all I will say. Including 33 IPOs last year. Which is, which is good. Exactly. Better, better than AIM, which... Uh, <laughs> exactly, it was better than AIM. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Go so on, got those, that got those out of the way. <laughs> I did. I did see the Aquas results this morning. <laughs> right, just, just moving back to a little bit more sector news, um, and this is on computer gaming. This was interesting. This is Team Seventeen. The ticket is TM17, uh, 586 million market cap. Uh, reporting their full year results, uh, their fifth year they say as a listed company. Their eighth consecutive years of growth of business. Um, and this is the you know company's computer games, uh, and one of their games most popular one is called Worms. Uh, and they reported that their revenue, organic like for like, because they made acquisitions, grew by three percent to 93.2 million. Um, and they have gross margins up from 50 to 51 percent. Uh, what we got here, profit before tax was down slightly, 21.9 million, 9.1 million is down to 28.7 million, but that included uh, one-off acquisition-related fees. Now, the big news on this one was that Debbie Bestwick, the founder uh, and chief exec, is to step down. Um, and she says, ultimately, I want to spend more time with my children who made sacrifices many times during my career, specifically spend more time with my youngest before he goes to university. So so uh, Debbie Bestwick, the founder, is stepping down from Team 17. And I think that certainly got caught the market um, by, by surprise. So uh, the shares were impacted. Um, yeah, that's just an interesting situation. I mean, it's got a, obviously got a very good, you know, good board, a huge team behind it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and whether that does become, you know, given the impact the, the impact on the share price, uh, you know, an opportunity to uh, to potentially look at. They've certainly got plenty of cash on the balance sheet. So, you know, the games franchises. We love cash. 
<laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> given the funding environment at the moment, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the final one from me was, and this is a company that has gone through a fair bit of restructuring over its time, um, but it's, uh, so it's Zar, X-A-A-R, X-A-R is a ticket, 154 million market cap. Um, and they have uh, print head technology for industrial printing. Um, and industrial printing, because, you know, it's quite sophisticated technology, this, because uh, it's inkjet technology and you have to drop the ink uh, very, very accurately and often at speed on, produ on, on products flying through production lines. Um, and so, you know, there's quite a bit of tech behind this. Uh, their main markets historically were, and I know this with tiling in China, you know, a lot of tiling is printed under on sort of basic um, ceramics, um, but increasingly they've been developing newer tech and that's used for, you know, coding on, uh, what have they got for different, uh, yeah, so so co coding is used on things like flat panel displays, semiconductors, printed electronics and optics. So these are date, it's date code information so you can trace uh, when the product was manufactured, you know, and its part numbers, all for traceability. So they're, they're getting into those markets. Um, and they said that their sales jumped from uh, 59.3 million to 72.8 million. Uh, gross margins up 34% to 39%. So that's all kind of looking good. Uh, but they've been increasing their R&D spend, seeing market opportunity. Um, their adjusted profits move from a loss uh, 0.6 million to 2.8 million and a more or less flat profit per tax. So um, looking at this realistically, it's expanding into other markets. It's bringing out new technologies. Uh, it's obviously getting a good price for them. It's increasing its gross margins um, and it's been investing in R&D. So I know this business has been in quite a quite a turnaround since it was you know, sort of dominated by the Chinese tile markets and that and those 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 weakened. Um, that is an improving situation and it has cash of uh, 8.5 million and it's already you know and they've invested quite heavily in inventory as well to manage uh, supply chain constraints. So that was that's no I've known this is a company I've known for a good while over the years. Well a lot of people have it's a real recovery yeah. stock isn't it and it was it one that everyone was everyone was tipping. And it's sort of, you know, been on everyone's radar, so to speak. It's had it's had a bit of a short term recovery. And it's sort of now, unfortunately, a little bit struggling to go uh, any further. Um, and not that, I, you know, it's a good company. Don't get me wrong. I just, you know, actually, I just know it's showed his own 28.7 percent of this company. Uh -huh. uh, so they clearly believe in it. Um, it's got some other good shareholders, actually, for Aberforth, Invesco, Threads. Uh, Joe Hambro, River and Mercantile. Chairman's very good as well. Um, the chairman is Andrew Herbert. He was the former FD of remember Domino Printing Sciences. Yeah. Yeah, they made uh, they made uh, in, in print technology, industrial print technology, was sold to Brother in Japan for one point one billion. Anyway, it's had a, it's had a it's had a good jump up from about one seventy five to one ninety five just recently. So uh, flat today. There, there we are, but not to end on a flat note, of course, Andrew. Oh, no, I'm gonna, can I actually I end it quickly? Yeah. <laughs> I've got about one minute. We sometimes talk about brands here, but interesting to see that um, the Hutt Group, there's a, a sort of a, a new uh, group that is uh, out and about um, trying to stir things up a little bit, um, isn't there? Yes. 
an actor, is it Kelso? Kelso, yes. Actually, I'll tell you, what, it's it's uh, my old mate Gouldy, uh, and Jamie Brook, he's another old mate, and David Charter's another old mate of mine. Actually, I know all of these people. David Charter's written a series of books about the city, which are quite funny. He used to work at Warburg's. Um, but yeah, they're giving uh, the Hut group a bit of a push, saying you need to change things and get this done and this done and this done. Um, it's still a fairly small little sort of activist vehicle, Kelso. I'm sure it'll try and grow. And the Hut group is quite a nice high profile company to have a bash at. I'm not sure if Matt Moulding will really listen to them, but we'll see. Um, but that was a nice, uh, there's a nice little note to end on. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I look forward. Oh, I don't know. We'll be able to chat next week, Andrew. Uh, well, I'm down at my house in Cornwall. Um, we'll probably record something. I may just be out on the golf course at some stage. Um, but I will, of course, be out with my son, who runs the Schroders Global Energy Transition Fund. So I dare say our conversation will be about transitional energy all the way around, which is quasi work, isn't it? Look, on that note, we'll call it that. We've done our 30 minutes. So we've probably droned on to some people. As usual, if you've got views, do tell us. We love hearing from people. If you want to pay us money, just pay us lots of money. I'll send you my bank account details. Um, and uh, yeah, no, we'll speak next week, Bill. Thanks. All right. Cheers, Andrew.